Taylor, this is the highlight of my life. That's 19... why you use Perfect 365, Pat. Hold on, I, you got to understand. I use that 19... for my photos. <laughs> no, because I look like a mongrel, my pictures. I look like I just came out of the institution. <laughs> I would like to get a painting done. Yes, I agree. I would like to have a painting done of me. Yeah. You know, Pat, for the life of me, I never realized, I never even thought about the fact that that photo is black and white. Why is it black and white? We'll I just always painting. thought you put a filter on it. No, I, I would know what a filter is. <laughs> I would know. I mean, how long you know, Mick? Yeah, filter. Yeah. I wanted to do an equestrian statue with me on horseback. I was Tony Soprano. <laughs> Why, did Tony Soprano have a horseback statue? He had a painting yeah. of his horseback. We should do that. That you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly you get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. Happy Italian American Heritage Month to everybody out there. I'm your host, John Viola, and I'm very, very happy to report that it's not just my voice on today. We are done talking about Christopher Columbus. The phenom man, the phenom man. <laughs> yeah, look who's back. Pasqua's back. It's the conversation that never ends. <laughs> what did you talk about for five weeks? People thought you had me killed. People emailed me, are you still alive? <laughs> you met some listeners out in Cleveland who told you how much they missed you over the course of these weeks. I love Cleveland. I love Northern Ohio. If I had to go into exile, if they shut down Jersey and, or they expelled me, I think I would go to Northern Ohio to live out my days. You went out for the baptism of our dear friend Nick Fideli's daughter. You are the compadre, the godfather. Right. Alessandra, my Fidelian. And you met some listeners and they were really missing you, I think. The Fidelis are a phenomenal family. I got the singular honor, the greatest honor you could give anyone to baptize a child. So I am Nick and Chantel's daughter's godfather. And it was a tremendous, tremendous honor. We had a beautiful, beautiful ceremony, the traditional Latin ceremony from before 1962, the, the ceremony that the church used for 2,000 years. We had uh, another proud Italian-American, Canon Talarico of the Institute of Christ the King, performed the ceremony and was absolutely stunning. And I also had, which is a very popular tradition in Salerno, we had the decorated baptismal candle. Yes. Which everybody thinks is beautiful. That's one of my pet projects in life to renew that to bring that back. The highlight after the christening and getting to meet my goddaughter for the first time was meeting Nick's sister, Joanna, and his brother-in-law, Luke. They are the prom king and the prom queen of Cleveland Italian America. She's the kumada, and I'm the gumbada for the baby. So she's the godmother, I'm the godfather. And her and her husband are huge fans of the podcast. They are so supportive. They're big fans of Rosella and Nona Romana. So I told Joanna and Luke that hopefully we'll be able to bring a road trip out, have the podcast, do a remote episode from Cleveland, and hopefully we can bring Rosella out 
and maybe even on a Romana out to do a little bit of cooking with the Italian-American community in Cleveland. I got to eat their pizzas, which are very good, the Anjanetti cookies, which were very good, because you know I always travel based on food. <laughs> That's right, so, yeah. And everybody in Ohio is happy. I know. It's so strange. It's like Jersey without the anger. Yes. It's like it everybody's happy and, you know, they just stop. And a lot of it, I mean, people, especially the New York, we're the center of the universe, New York, New Jersey worldview, is a huge Italian population in northern Ohio. Oh, my gosh. This is gigantic. But the Fidelis are a class act. And I'm tremendously, tremendously thankful and honored to have received this great honor of a Gumbada status. So. They'll be happy to know that you're back on the show this week. I'm sure everybody's looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, done. We're all done. Enough of Columbus. We've talked about Columbus for like 15 years already. I know. It's been a Need lot. A break. Took a lot out of me. I did about 10 interviews on Columbus Day and the days before, and the, we did the Wall Street Journal. It's just been a lot. So hopefully we put that to rest with a lot of objectivity, and people really did react great to it, so I'm really happy. But we got a really fun show ahead of us because – we got a young lady on here who I would say is quickly approaching professional Italian-American status. Get Ooh. out while you can. Don't go down <laughs> that road. That's true. Get <laughs> out now. You're young. Save yourself. <laughs> Don't follow our lead. Don't uh, your life. So I want to introduce Taylor Taglianetti. And I'm, gonna, I'm saying she's a professional Italian-American for a couple of reasons. Taylor has a day job. She's a producer, interviewer. She works in casting. She's been in the entertainment industry since she started her professional career. but. She's also the foundress of a new organization that she founded in 2019 called the National Organization of Italian-Americans in Film and Television. And she's had so many wonderful experiences, totally engaging in the Italian-American community. She was a scholarship recipient from the Columbus Citizens Foundation. She was a NIAF Voyage Discovery participant, really prestigious uh, prize. The only 20 kids go back to Italy with NIAF every year, and there's thousands and thousands that apply. And she also was one of the winners of the Russo Brothers Film Forum, which is a partnership between NIAF and the Italian Sons and Daughters. That's a, that's a gold standard of accomplishment. Isn't that great? Yeah. So, Taylor, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you so much. I just want to give credit to my friend, Michaela. I'm producing her film, so she won the, the grant, but I'm producing it. So I just want to give her all the credit there. But uh, What kind oh, of Italian are you giving away the credit? <laughs> I would have said yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. On it. <laughs> uh, God bless you guys. That's really wonderful. That I mean, the, the fact that you've engaged the community so much, it's no wonder you started your own organization. First of all, you're Brooklynite like me, which I think is wonderful. So that Brooklyn Italian is uh, is a strong one. Tell us, how do you say it? Neuft? What's the... Yeah, I know. Everyone, first of all, I you know, it's the longest name in the world. So I had to make it an acronym. Um, but yeah, it's Neuft. Well, tell <laughs> us a little bit about, I mean, it, it. you know, part of what I want to talk about today is Everybody has this idea that young people don't participate in the Italian-American community anymore. And you're one of the stellar examples of someone who's not only participating, but leading and creating new institutions, which I think is wonderful to, to found something in 2019 for Italian-Americans. So tell us a little bit about your experience with the Italian-American community and what made you start this new organization. Sure. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn, um, New York. I grew up, you know, family, faith, <laughs> food, Italian-American classic Amen. <laughs> Um, but I had gone to, um, a Catholic high school and the only reason why I was able to go was because of the Columbus Citizens Foundation. And, um, in my scholarship essay, when I was applying, I said, if I get this scholarship, I'm really making a promise to pay it forward to the community. 
And it wasn't until I got to college where I really saw what I could do to pay it forward. Um, and when I was in college, I was just overwhelmed by how many students that I was surrounded by who were just succeeding because they had, you know, personal connections or they just had the financial backing to make their films or just knew someone to get internships and things like that. I know I wouldn't have even been able to go to NYU if not for another scholarship from the Columbus Citizens Foundation. And I said to myself, you know, I'm working really, really hard and it's tough for me who's I'm spending every single day of my week dedicated to my passion. Um, and I said, there's gotta be so many other people out there like me, Italian Americans who have that strong work ethic, but not the opportunity to get to where they wanna go just because of silly things like not knowing somebody. So um, I said, you know what? I am going to form this, not just to pay it forward, but because there's a necessity, you know, just not just for you know myself to grow in my career, but for others that we don't have that community to share our stories and to get the opportunities that we need to get out there and create. So yeah, it's, it's a twofold thing filling a promise and, you know, fulfilling a necessity in, in a niche as well. You know, it's wonderful that you say that because, uh, you know, as I said, you are one of the winners and participants of the Voyage of Discovery. And Pat, you did Voyage, right? Your brother no, did my, it? My brother did it, yes. Oh, your brother did it. That's right. I think it's one of NIAF's stellar programs and endowed by Ambassador Peter Secchia probably 30 years ago now. And it's taken hundreds of Italian-American kids back to Italy and when I got there, I remember looking at the program and thinking, okay, we got to amend a few things. We got to make it a first time trip, like a, a real birthright trip for people who had not been to Italy or had only been maybe once as a child. And we had to add a service component. And I really loved the fact that every year I got to go to Italy and meet these kids for a dinner during the end part of their trip. And obviously you went the year after I had left, so we didn't get to meet on your trip to Puglia. But I remember every time I'd go, I would emphasize to them, and I would emphasize to any of the scholarship winners that I met or any of the youth programs that we had, that this was not a reward for doing great things. This was an investment in somebody that we as an organization felt would understand the commitment thereafter to pay it forward into the community, to participate as leaders. We, we needed to get away from the idea, and it happens with all kinds of scholarships and stuff, that you're somehow getting a prize for being great and move to the idea that we're investing in you as a community. You, you have to give back even if it's, you know, time, mentorship, whatever, I'm proud that you saw it that way. And I think that's obviously a huge part of leading you to where you are. Yeah, no, that trip uh, seriously influenced me. When I came back from the trip, I was just so shocked that I was someone who cared about my heritage, but there was so much I didn't know about it. And that just made me say, well, now there just needs to be more stories about these things. And why aren't people telling these stories? Because they don't have the opportunities to tell those stories. Um, and then when I came back from the trip, like, I literally took like every single Italian cinema class I could at NYU. I took Italian history, Italian literature, like, I made my whole schedule Italian. I literally took one semester where it was just <laughs> Italian. And That's wonderful. Yeah, and I'm and I'm friends with Gabriella Maletti to this day. She's been absolutely amazing, and she's the Popesa of Cleveland. <laughs> That's right. For those yeah. who haven't listened, Gabriella is the director of programs at the National Italian American Foundation, and she's done a great job. She's built wonderful programs and really worked hard with the Voyage Discovery kids in particular. So she just keeps a, a beautiful network of of participation with everybody. Yeah, she's she's absolutely incredible, and she's offered her translating services to my members for their films, which is really <laughs> sweet of her. So um, she's she's the absolute best. I love her. 
that, that was one of my hires at the foundation. So proud to say she's still there kicking butt and uh, making people Italian. Uh, yeah, it's just wonderful to see somebody give back and to really understand that you can do, particularly for our community, where I think we're in this weird place where people forget that while we've done so much and while we don't necessarily have a significant number of Italian Americans still living in the poverty of our ancestors. We've broken into industries, but we haven't broken into the point where we may have those internal networks. And, you know, networking is a weird concept for us. I mean, I remember at NIAF, we'd talk about networking events, and I always felt like the Italian American version was kind of, I know a guy, like, oh, you know, you need X, I know a guy. It sounds to me like you kind of get that, because as I read all the literature around NIAF, you kind of put people together. Tell us about what you're going to do what hole you're filling in the industry and what the vision going forward is? Yeah, our mission is twofold in the sense that, um, you know, we want to connect and empower people to achieve their goals. And one of the ways we do that is by connecting people for projects. And the, when you sign up to become a member, it's a completely free, you don't have to pay anything. And that was important to me because I'm a product of free programs and scholarships and things like that. And I know that People don't need to worry about the expense, especially in a time like this, to network and move forward in their career. So when people sign up, they get access to our membership directory. And then we kind of just divide it up by actors, actresses, cinematographers, etc. And so people know like sort of how they want to navigate our membership and maybe who might interest them. And they could come to me and say like, you know, I'm looking for this or can you connect me with this person and getting people to be, you know, on film sets and simple things like, you know, putting together a reel or having someone read lines, script coverage. It's a huge thing that people just want their scripts read. And we have just some of the most amazing members who I have a friend. He's basically like the, the authority on Italian American, everything you have to meet him. His name is Joe Crisofulli. And he wrote, someone sent us a script from like one of the biggest Catholic uh, networks. And he wrote him like a 20 page, like, you know, article, like how he thinks he can improve the script and things like that. So it's working like internally and then externally as well, where like I'll go out and I'll go to film festivals and I'll connect with like people in the industry and kind of like, recruiting them and making them aware of our membership because my goal for the future is that like the Martin Scorsese's, the Denise DeNovi's, all the Italian Americans that are already established in the business know that we exist and that they have no qualms about hiring <laughs> our talents for yeah. their productions and things like that. And it's an LLC right now. I would love to make it a nonprofit. I want to raise money for scholarships and grants and everything in between and just keep it going like we have a few hundred members i only started this <laughs> january 2019 so it just picked up like that and thankfully doing all these interviews and press coverage we've met a lot of people in the industry who are just willing to help and some people want to help they just don't know how to help and i think that just having this organization in a formal way where a lot of people the Italian American community in film and television has always existed. Like some of the best films of all time are created by Italian Americans, but that we only see, you know, certain things like the mob stuff and Italian Americans are in so many different facets of the industry and just keeping people aware of that and knowing that uh, there's a lot of people out there that have great stories that they want to tell and that they could come to us if they're looking for content or they're looking for people to be involved in their productions. You know, it's funny. I think I've probably told the story on the air. When I first got to NIAF, I had nothing to do because, you know, you got to kind of grow into the job. So I think I read every email, letter, whatever I got, you know, and I was excited to get news before my mailbox exploded. 
And uh, I remember this one guy wrote us to tell us a story of uh, losing his job, really being kind of on his last leg. Him and his wife were going to lose their house. And he said, you know, maybe I can open a pizzeria. He sort of researched the viability of pizzeria, this and that. And on a cold call, he wrote a letter to a guy who owned like 20 some odd successful pizzerias nearby and basically said, look, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever read this and I don't want to bother you, but if you can give me any advice, I would really love to know how you were successful and I'm on the end of my rope and this and that. And he said a few weeks later, the phone rang, his wife picked it up and shockingly enough, it was this entrepreneur and he called the guy back and said, you know, not only do I want to help you, you can come and study what we're doing in our place. I'll walk you through. And the guy was obviously shocked. And he said, I can't thank you enough. You know, what can I do for you in return? He said, nothing, you know, that you're an Italian American who needs advice and uh, help and, and guidance. And I've done it. And I wouldn't want anybody else to have to go through it like I did. And so if I could make it one step above on the ladder for you, I feel like that's my duty. And I thought that was a beautiful testimony to sort of, you know, there's, there's definitely Italians who want to tear each other down, unfortunately, but there's also those who climb the ladder and want to put their hand down and be there to pull somebody else up with them. So it's wonderful to know you're a young person doing that and helping everybody rise together. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, how old were you? You were 28 at NIAF, right? Like that was so inspiring to me when I started, like that's not much older than I am now. So, you know, I have to, you know, say that, you know, a lot of people say great things about you and I've seen you go on through your career and how long you've done this and how well spoken you are. I was listening to you on Joe Piscopal the other day and it's just, it's inspiring. I'm happy. And we're not that we're like so close in age, but we're still like among the young Italians. So it's. I'm, Thank you I, for I, emphasizing that we're not that close in age. That, yeah, that's great. <laughs> today, lady. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. All right, John, get out the walker. Time for the depends, John. It's coming. <laughs> Pat and I were talking about doing something. We said, you imagine the headline, two young Italian-Americans? He said, no, John. It's two middle-aged Italian-Americans now. I said, you're right. That's true. So, but Keeping no, it I, real, John. Keeping it real. <laughs> Keeping it real. But I appreciate that, though. That's very kind of you. And, uh, I, you know, everybody has to give it a shot, you know? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, you know? That's and, my motto for everything. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's a great way to be. Yeah. And it, so tell us a little bit about, I think it's really interesting. First of all, looking through the, the members who you said you've got hundreds of members already and I looking at your information and you've got names that are both prominent Italian Americans in the industry, but also some friends of the podcast, Robert Bruzio, who we interviewed a couple of years ago now, uh, writer and director, bottom of the ninth, Paul Borghese, who's an Italian American actor, everybody knows, but he's also been really activist in the community and setting up organizations for people. Uh, I think Christina Fontanelli, who we have also had on the show, who is just Pat and I both absolutely love. Eric Ermita, who's been on the show before. So you've got a lot of wonderful names. You must have been somewhat pleasantly surprised by the enthusiasm when you approach people. Oh, 100%. I mean, I have to give a credit to social media. I would be nothing without it. A lot of people, I would follow people and they'd follow back. And they just be excited by what I was doing. I mean, it's, a, it's something that's free and why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? If you know, you're in the industry and you know, you could, you could help and you can, you can be helped. So the way that I took off too, in the sense of just doing like film festivals and stuff, like how excited people were. Um, I mean, I was definitely shocked, especially at the speed of which things happened. Um, but I like I think that's just a testament to being Italian American. And like you said, some people want to knock each other down, but 
a lot of us really want to pay it forward and help each other out and do what we can. So um, it was surprising and not surprising at the same time. <laughs> I, could, I mean, I could definitely see that. Uh, it, it's got to be interesting to be in this industry, like you mentioned, you know, we do get caught up in a lot of stereotypical content. And nowadays, part of the reason we do what we do is because the, the democratization of content creation has so sort of disintermediated between the creative and the, and the audience. And you can do really fascinating stuff. I mean, that's what the Russo Brothers Film Forum is all about. I've kind of always felt that the lack of something like this that unites Italian-Americans in this field of, of all types, the, the background, the camera, you know, the production to the actors themselves, I've always felt that having not been kind of united as a conscious group in this industry is part of the reason why we haven't been able to sort of push back and create content that tells an authentic version of our story. Do you find a lot of people that are participating with you are aware of or desirous of the opportunity to tell a different version of our story? Yeah, you know, I think what I found is that the entertainment industry promotes it because it's the only thing that it knows. And the first ever introduction of an Italian-American character in cinema history, he was a thief. It's, the film's called The Italian. It's 1915. Um, but he was a thief out of necessity, which is just, you know, funny when you think about it. But yeah, I think that if we had more people in the industry telling these diverse stories, it would prevent people from wanting to tell the mob stories. It's just that we've become so used to it. But I see like HBO, they've been just gobbling up Italian content and it has nothing to do with mob or stereotypes. So I really do believe, and I know others who are really passionate about really wanting to tell positive stories um, or just not even just positive, but stories that are different than the ones that we get um, and that we're known for. And, and even in the industry, in terms of like actors, like we just sometimes see a lot of actors who are portraying Italian characters because they're bankable, not because they're Italian. And yeah. getting, you know, I think of like Green Book, like Viggo Mortensen, you know, being the star of that, like that's because he's a star and there's not enough Italian Americans getting to that point in the industry where they can, you know, be, <laughs> you know, someone yeah. would be incentivized to put them in that film. So I think that's, really the key is to just getting Italian Americans in the industry and then that's how we're going to get more diverse stories about our people and I think with the streaming platforms now I think that there's more of a desire to tell these stories because there's more options of how to get them out there and get people to see them and I, I think the Italian film market is just exploding right now they are just getting like so ahead of the game um, this one company Wildside they're making Italian films for the global market like that's their whole goal so it's operating like in Italy and I know in America, it's just bound to come. It's just that they just need to know where the stories are. So hopefully one day they'll come to us. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You can see the beginnings of a new golden age for Italian, I don't know, I always say cinema, but at this point, sort of, you know, content is the better word, right? Film, television, online, whatever it is, because it's all becoming so 
evolved into one another. Like you look at some of these productions that go on these mini series or even episodic series on the premium channels or the premium streaming, they're basically long movies, you know, just cut into eight to 10 parts, whatever. So the production side is, is so much uh, similar, but you can see the stuff that's coming out and the deals that Netflix have made in Italy. And, you know, there was a low point there for cinema in Italy uh, where people were really kind of worried about where it was going to go. And you, you now to see so much stuff get put out there and to see an American audience appreciate it. And it's not telling that same old mob story, you know, it's, it's, it's really diverse content. It's thoughtful. It's engaging. It's entertaining. I mean, there's my, my brilliant friend obviously is, is gigantic uh, telling a, a really Neapolitan story. There's also that fantasy one that came out, right? Uh, this new show called Luna Nera. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I, I haven't seen it. I mean, you know, that's, you would never think of a, of a epic high fantasy coming out of Italy, but you know, here it is. And so this is, a great time to be participating in Italy, but also here. You're working on a new project now. That's your version of the story. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, no, I got involved in the project through Naya <laughs> and through Noyaft. Um, but it's called Heirloom, and it's about the significance of Italian American gardening. I know you guys did a whole podcast about that, so I thought it was so cool. Um, but I connected with the director, who's actually her mother had her and her mother had won the grant. Um, and the director, her name is Michaela N. Smith, and she does a lot of comedy work. So she works for Adult Swim and Broadway Video, which um, more Michaels, he, that's his company. Um, so she's very, very successful director in the comedy space. And uh, it was funny because Nayav often shares like some of the interviews that I do. So I did one with um, Annabelle Ananasio and she did a film called Mickey and the Bear. And uh, Nayav shared my interview and Michaela had seen the interview and then signed up to become a member of my organization and then when I saw her work I said oh my gosh I have to get coffee with this girl and then just after a couple weeks we started working together and she had already had a cut of the film screened at the uh, NIAF gala but then there was so much more I mean you can't tell (laughs) the significance of Italian American gardening and 30 minutes so we were kind of just developing it to get the best it can be and using the connections from my group to get editors and sound designers and people involved. So we've been working on it all throughout the pandemic. (laughs) So it's been nice to have a project like that. In addition to, I work full time at Paradigm Talent Agency and I run my organization, I'm always working. So um, to be able to like do a film, even though we're not physically out there shooting, but like working on the story and the editing, um, it has kept me really busy. (laughs) <laughs> I can imagine it as that's, yeah. that's why Pat says run away from being a professional Italian American because it's another full-time job but yeah I mean it's it's so important to be able to do this kind of stuff and you reference Mary Minetti who's another guest and friend and we've been bringing Mary's videos onto our Italian American TV YouTube page and I, the responses we get are wonderful because people relate to this kind of stuff and it's so interesting to see I remember being a kid and going to a conference about Italian American portrayals in the media and, and the mob and they polled a bunch of young Italian Americans, and something like 75% of young Italian Americans said that they could relate to the Sopranos because they'd been around Mafia, OC, and this and that. And when you look at the numbers, it's impossible. It's an impossibility. Like, there's really nothing you can relate to that. You're very, very few people can relate to that, particularly today. But if you really get to the authentic version of who we are, there's a significant number of people, and we, it, we can tell by the size of the audience of this show that really relate to the passion of an Italian American garden, what it means to participate in that life-giving ritual with the people you love, or, you know, some of these stories now, I know a movie came out last year about the Feast of the Seven Fish, and it's gotten great 
responses or you know, bottom of the ninth that Robert did. People relate to this stuff. It, it's the real version of who we are. So it's wonderful to be able to produce that. Have you seen a lot of other projects that you feel are indicative of the real experience that you kind of see as uh, rising stars or, or good projects that are coming out? Yeah, you know who, I don't know if you know him. Uh, his name is Mike DeLucia. Um, he wrote a whole book about Hank Luisetti, who an Italian-American basketball player who changed the game in the 30s. Um, I have the book right here. I mean, everyone in my family's been swapping around the house, so I'm trying to get <laughs> through it. But I just think stories like that, like that's a rocky story. Um, and he just has so much passion for the subject matter. And, you know, our influence in the sports world is just huge. Um, I think, like, positive stories like that definitely are going to find, you know, its, its spot in the world. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, there's so many of my members, a lot of them are doing documentaries and things like that. I think the documentary world has really, like, blown up because of Netflix. Like, I don't remember, like, four years ago, people caring about documentaries. But even when we were going into theaters, like, I was just shocked, like, seeing people waiting on, online for things like that. Um, I've been seeing a lot of Italian-American documentaries. Um, one of our members, Mark Spano, he did a whole documentary on Sicily, which you can imagine, it was just amazing. Um, and one of our other members, her name is Mo Scarpelli. She did a whole documentary about the coronavirus. It, she was living in Italy at the time, and uh, it got picked up by the Wall Street Journal, like during the pandemic. So she's she's great. So I see I see there being both a you know an equal front for the documentary world and um, narrative fiction storytelling. Um, but I think people really like real life stories. I've noticed that there's a real you know hunger for real life stories about real Italian-American heroes. I studied anthropology, so we used to geek out at like the Margaret Mead Film Festival and stuff. And obviously I was always a documentary nut, but I, I feel like the beauty of some of these streaming platforms is documentary has, I think kind of evolved now away from academic filmmaking into a, a positive evolution from reality television. I think we, we've been so groomed to watch real people. In the old days, those shows were more sort of parody and setups, but now I think we're so conditioned to in, in, in a good sense of sort of voyeurism to look in on what's really going on and to take it in as entertainment, not just education. I think there's a great opportunity for people. Yeah. I think with social media too, um, like you were saying, like, you know, Italian American content, like I think that people are really turning to social media to see what our story is as Italian Americans is about. And I think for the younger generations, like they're not going to pick up a book and read <laughs> about the history of Italian Americans. They're going to watch a movie. They're going to, look up something someone said about it on TikTok. Um, so I think that's important too, that people, uh, you know, think about when we're educating, you know, young Italian Americans about their heritage, where are they gonna go to find out that information? Like it's go on a NIAC trip or watch a movie, like things like that. Like what can, what can you do? And I think sometimes people forget that media is like that and anyone can get that and whether you're young or old. So, but I think the, the youth are going to find it online. <laughs> yeah, I always remember we'd have these conversations that all the organizations I've been a part of where the older Italian Americans would bemoan the fact that young people don't participate. And when I got hired, I was 28, like you point out. And so I would say all the time, no, they'll participate. We just have to, we have to lead where they are. We have to go to where they are. You know, the black tie galas, they can be fun. We, we try to make them fun. But if you do them like you did them in 1984, they're not going to be fun. And if you aren't in social media and you aren't creating that kind of content and you aren't sort of pushing the avant-garde, you're missing a huge population that does want to participate and does identify. They just don't do it the way their parents and grandparents did. So it's nice to see a young person like you who's done that hybrid and participated in the institutional stuff and come out to do this. 
we're not people who like change. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook was good for us because it's the piazza gone digital. So you can mine other people's business. It's like Facebook allows you to peek through the window, through the curtains, like your grandmother did. (laughs) Have that Italian surveillance, know everybody's business. So we're good like that, posting things. I mean, I say all the time, like people say the Italian community is dead. We'll look on Facebook. And of course, because it's, we're Italians, we can't have one group. We have to have one million groups. So, you know, Jersey Italians, I am from New Jersey, an Italian, Italian from New Jersey, New Jersey, you know, every, and you look in those groups and there's like millions of people that are in it that are active. The brick and mortar Italian American community is transforming to a telematic computer, a, a social media Italian American community. So I think in that sense, the community is healthy when you look into all these Facebook groups. But when it comes to we've always done it this way, that's very much part and parcel of who we are. We're not people who change. You know, the great Italian-American philosopher Floyd Vivino says all the time, a hallmark of us as a community was we were the last to move out of our immigrant neighborhoods. (laughs) So when everybody left, the Italians didn't leave, and the Italians, you know, with the bank of under the mattress, they could have well have afforded to build beautiful palatial homes, and some of them did outside the neighborhood, but then they can't get their fresh bread every day. And then they can't hear the church bell ring. And then they can't go to awake every other day for someone they know, you know, who died or just to be nosy because they're not around the corner from the funeral bar. And, you know, they like to go in the yard and they know Marie next door and, you know, they know Conchetta on the other side. And, you know, they put all copper pipe in their house and why are they going to sell it to some idiot who doesn't appreciate, you know, that they put the Taj Mahal plumbing through their house. So we're very, we're kind of slow on certain things like migrating out of the neighborhood. So I think it's a bit of a dichotomy. I think what's interesting too, and it makes me think of the Nyack trip. And I think the value of that trip too, was not just that you were going to Italy with, you know, 19 other Italian Americans, but that they were from all over the United States. Um, so I know about being an Italian American from Brooklyn. I mean, it's even different. One of my, good friends and very good friends this day from the trip she's from Manhattan it was a completely different experience and then you know we were pretty similar in in some ways but in other ways not at all and then we were looking at kids from the south and totally different um and I think that also has to do like the access with people telling stories like I'm lucky I grew up in Brooklyn where I'm just a train ride away from NYU but think about like a kid from like Tennessee or somewhere who wants to make a film about you know his Italian American community and maybe doesn't have the access to tell those stories and then we'll never ever hear about them (laughs) uh so yeah no I think I think the whole dichotomy thing is really really fascinating to bring up and something that you know like you said people don't you know want to go out of those boxes that we've created for so many years so um I think it's it's a group effort I think especially now like when we're talking about like you know, I don't want to bring up Columbus again. You've talked about him for 15 years, but like people are really starting to think about the history and like, what does that mean? And, you know, it's not a black and white issue. Like, you know, and I think that, like you said, we kind of just stick to one side or the other. Now in the last couple of years, we're opening up to see what more history and what things mean and in the context of what they mean and what Columbus was a symbol of and what he actually was. Um, and that's all storytelling <laughs> when it comes down to the history of storytelling. So, yeah. You're absolutely right. It, it's all storytelling. And, you know, we are lucky enough to live in generations because as you pointed out, we're not the same generation. Uh, we're lucky enough to be part of generations that are in command of their own storytelling and have access to it. And so 
for us, you know, that's very much what we feel like we are doing here on this platform is just, you know, sharing stories. And we've had so much of a learning experience doing this and what kind of stuff people like to listen to. And, you know, sometimes you're, you you get shocked by how well episodes do when it's an interesting story that, you know, you might not think is super mainstream, but people like that specificity and, and the opportunity to see other things. So we as a community are at the point, I think now where we have the safety to sort of objectively look back at our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we don't have to be tied to the models and, and uh, paradigms of the past. We can reassess and retell our story because we have a confidence now, I think. And that's abundantly clear in what you're doing because you can't unite people towards a goal if they don't feel confident about their participation. If they feel lucky to be in the industry, they're not going to pick their head up and sort of advocate for one another or look out for one another. You know, it's kind of like that sense of uh, I'm here and I got to keep my little fife safe, but to be of the era when people can help one another and they feel good about telling that story, it's a blessing and it's wonderful to have somebody out there doing it. Aww, thank you. No, I, I, it's been a joy of my life doing this. It really, it really has. And uh, just helping people. I, I love it. And I've, I've, like storytelling because I think that storytelling can change the world. It can educate people, inspire. And I just love that I can tie in my passion for entertainment with my passion for my heritage. And I've met some of the most amazing people in my life from doing this. Um, and I even got to meet some of my heroes. I interviewed Dion, which was just absolutely crazy that, you know, I grew up listening to the Wanderer and Run Around Sue. And, I and he's a very Catholic guy. He's a very holy and religious guy. Very, very, very Catholic. Um, I read his biography. You should see the musical that's coming out about him. I got to go see a workshop of it. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, no, he's 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 a great guy. And uh, it was funny. Someone who had seen one of the interviews, he was the head of the Star Wars website. Huge fan of Dion, Italian American, and he signed up to be a member of my organization. So it's like the weirdest connections and. <laughs> The great thing about social media is that you never know who you're going to meet from just putting your work out there. Yeah, it's amazing how many people come across, you know, each other's platforms and work together. And I feel like we've got such a huge opportunity going forward for this community. Uh, I was just having this conversation with somebody on Columbus Day because they were saying, ah, the community's disappearing. And I said, no, it's not. It's just migrating. And, you know, we announced over the summer, and we're not particularly set to announce the what, what's actually happened to our initiative, but I will hint uh, over the summer, we set out a goal before coronavirus got much worse to create a website dedicated to Italian-American feasts. And over the course of our work on it, which we are still doing, it evolved into something, I think, bigger and better. And so for the regular audience, look for an announcement when we're really ready to launch. But part of what we've talked about doing is including in this project a portal for oral histories. As a matter of fact, Pat and I were talking about it today. And... Um, you know, there's just so many wonderful stories out there. I mean, it was with a friend of mine whose grandmother's a 101-year-old Sicilian immigrant and uh, another buddy of ours who was telling us about his dad, who's 86, who migrated from Alto Adige and, and all of his un incredible life experiences. And, you know, we've been so dedicated to, like you say, even in documentary form, just documenting this stuff and getting it out there because you just never know how much it will impact future generations. And, there's those communities like the Italian community in Memphis, Tennessee, and people don't know they exist. So we have to at least catalog those stories and get them out there. And if we could do it in a, in a higher art form, like documentary or like narrative film, what a blessing to have. Because I can look back at a lot of great Italian-American cinema that's out there, and I can relate to, like, I remember in the documentary, The Italian-Americans on PBS, 
Justice Scalia was interviewed and he said, you know, I watched The Godfather and it wasn't a crime movie to me. It was a family movie and the plates on their table look like my grandmother's plates. I kind of get that, you know, and to be able to have that, there's so much democratic access to film. And so I think it's a, it's a wonderful way for people to, to keep that vessel alive and pass it on to future generations. Yeah, I think also like people just forget that like storytelling is who we are as a culture, like just the fact of being Italian American, like sitting around the table and offering someone food and a story was how we kind of like built morale during tough times. Like we didn't, we couldn't give you anything besides food and some sort of like entertainment in, in the form of, you know, making up something. And that's alluded to in, in the Italian American documentary from uh, Martin Scorsese. Uh, I know you're bringing up the one by John Maggio, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's, when you really think about it, like it was a necessity for us. Like we couldn't survive without having a little umph, like a little, little bit of excitement and joy from telling stories around the kitchen table. And I think people don't realize that that it's really in us. Like we are some of the most vivacious people <laughs> in the world. And yeah. it's we love telling stories. We love talking. <laughs> That's why I always said, I think Fellini was a great filmmaker, but I don't think he was necessarily creating anything from scratch. You know, he was sort of turning a lens onto how vivacious and entertaining we can be because I always said, we're kind of really good at being human Italian Americans. You know, we appreciate the small stuff. We value family. We value a good laugh together. And um, I think at our best, we focus on the little joys and victories in life. hundred percent. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but people forget that our storytelling tradition happened because there was nothing to do at night. Yeah. And you know, like you couldn't do any work because it was, I mean, when you talk to people, when you read accounts of what happened when people first saw what's person, it's, it's almost unanimous around the world. It's like, well, it's like daytime. We can do things. We can work at night. I mean, that's what really changed the, the, the rhythm of people is the fact that you, you, you rested at night because you really had nothing else to do. Yeah. And what you would do, you know, in the winter, what would you do in the south of Italy on a cold winter night? You'd sit around the fire or the vraziera, which was a, like a, a pan, a warming pan. It was a pan. It's like what the Argentines used to keep the, the, meat, the meat from the parijada warm. It's a pan, and inside the pan would be put coals from the fire, and you would put the top on top of it, and you would, you would sit around it, and you'd put your feet around it, and you'd put a blanket to stay warm. And oral tradition was passed down because you would just keep telling stories. There was no radio. There was no television. And people would talk and they would eat chestnuts and tell stories. And that part of our history that people that by default you had to learn your family history because what else were you going to do at night? That's kind of gone just because the world has moved on. You could go on the internet, you could go on television or whatever. And I think that that's, that's what this media has the capacity to, to some extent in a modern way, keep those ties, keep that connection to a, a historic a family history tied in the sense that it's just retold in a new way that's absolutely true yeah it's so interesting to see you know before we came live on the mic here we were talking about genealogy because pat likes to meet our guests and find out where in italy they come from and i always say he's the best amateur italian genealogist on the planet so he always helps solve mysteries and we we're talking to taylor and uh you know it's interesting to see how many people now with the advent of online heritage and uh, genealogy sites and DNA stuff can actually recall and, and, and actually rebuild more than they ever thought 
from the little snippets of oral tradition that get passed on, they are real clues and they're not always mythology. And a lot of times they are based in real history and they, they give you a great crumb to follow down a path that you can add to with all of this technology. And it, and it gives you a, a beginning to your story. And a lot of times they turn out to be true. And I think that that's a wonderful combination of technology and tradition and how we can find things we never thought we could find. I see so many people returning to their deep, deep roots and really understanding them in a way they never thought possible. So there's so much you can do with these mediums to make that accessible to people. And even if it's nothing more than showing them that it can be done, you know, that's so, so important for everybody. Seeing your story or a version of your story empowers people, I think. Oh yeah. And you know what? I have to mention this because you'll love it since we're talking about genealogy. I had two people sign up to become members of my organization that happened to be related to me and I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I just, the, the history that I learned was just beyond. Yeah. Tell us this is fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, his, his name is Anthony Massey. He is just, he, he's definitely in competition with you for <laughs> amateur genealogy, but he's <laughs> yeah, he had like a 30 page history of my family tracing it back to like the 15th century or something like that and found out that like some of our ancestors like saved the king and we have a pizza named after us simple Tenzo. like so he found out all the history and then um someone from italy contacted me saying i think we're related and then i set them two up and they then we now we have like a 50 page book between <laughs> both of them and then someone who's a visual effects artist who worked on the matrix has my last name and reached out to me and said, like, I think we're related. And then I hooked him up with my fifth cousin. And we found out that, you know, we were. And it's just crazy. Like, things like that. I just love that. I was able to connect with, you know, my family in a, just the oddest way. And to find out one of them was in the industry was really cool. That's amazing. This is the kind of stuff that gives you hope for where the community is going. And so, obviously, your work does. So, tell us, before we go, first of all, what's next? for Neueft and how can people participate and, and who's invited and who's welcome? Well, everyone is welcome. <laughs> I, I make that, you know, we have a lot of people who aren't Italian that just have an interest in Italian culture and want to contribute and learn about it. And that to me is great because I'd love to educate other communities about what we're doing and especially in a positive way. So um, I love that. And my membership requirement is just that, you know, people, they look out for other members and that it's just, you help someone, you pay it forward, you offer advice, whatever that may be, a small way, in a big way, um, it's paid off. That's the only way that we can thrive as a community. And that I knew that when I found that that, that, that was the only way, because there's no money coming in. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing it all out of pocket. <laughs> um, so where it's going, I mean, like I said, it just blew up, it exploded. We, you know, have a couple hundred members and I just want to keep getting people aware of what we're doing, our social media presence, just getting it out there. We do like interviews weekly. I have a lot of correspondence uh, now during the pandemic. I started most of them myself, but um, having other members just have an opportunity to network. Like we have people who are like um, rock musicians interviewing people about rock music, Italian Americans and Italian Americans um, in actors, cinematographers, um, et cetera. So just getting people like out there and networking in that way, because it's a huge thing people can say is that they're talking to celebrities and people love, but I love telling people I <laughs> interview celebrities every day. Um, and yeah, just like I said before, building it up in a way that we can have scholarships and grants and 
that um, everyone in Hollywood knows where the authentic Italians with the authentic stories are and um, just keep it growing. And uh, like I said, it's been the, the joy of my life doing this and meeting people and colleagues and members who've become like great and I'm sure lifelong friends. And to be on a podcast like this, like, that's just the highlight of just doing things like that and Aww, sharing stop. knowledge. That would be nice. <laughs> I, Aww, I really feel very grateful that you guys thought of me for this. I, I am. Oh, well, we're happy to have somebody who's young and engaged and so passionate and part of the tribe. One thing Italians, we're good at knowing everybody. We're not always good at rowing together. That's what hurts us. So we need to row together a little more. No, definitely. Definitely. We do. And like working on other foundations too. I, I want to bring up like, working with the Columbus Citizens Foundation on their um, gala video. I was able to do a video for them. And then a lot of my members went to the virtual after party and just hooking up with other members of the Italian-American community um, to just keep keep growing this and uh, just getting more access to getting our stories out there because we need people outside of the industry too to, you know, finance is a big aspect. And we all see how hard it is to make films and things like that. And uh, so, yeah, just keeping the Italian community aware of what we're doing and so that we can keep doing well. That's wonderful. Well, congratulations on the project going well and uh, a lot of encouragement from our end on how wonderful a job you're doing and, and I hope you keep it going and growing. And if we could be of any service to that end, you know, you let us know between us, we've got a couple of decades now of experience being professional Italian Americans. So there's five of us with a lot of, uh, a lot of years. So we're always happy to help. That's a big part of why we, why we do this. I appreciate it, and it's been an absolute joy to be with you guys this evening. Well, tell our audience how they can find you on social. Sure. Um, we are at Noyaft, N-O-I-A-F-T, on every single platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our website is www.noyaft.org. That's the nice thing about those long Italian-American acronyms. Nobody scooped them up online. <laughs> you know it. Exactly, exactly. Though everyone gets confused between Noyaft, Noyaft, Noyaft. So uh, actually, I probably benefit from the confusion there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it was, you know, however they find you, they find you. No press is bad press. <laughs> so Taylor, it's been a pleasure, and I really want to thank you for coming on. And Pat, I want to thank you for coming back and uh, giving our audience what they want because everybody asks for you. It's good to be missed every now and then. That's <laughs> very true. Kind of reminds people, you know, don't take Pat for granted. <laughs> That's right. Don't take that for granted. And everybody out there, I hope you've enjoyed a conversation about a wonderful initiative. I hope you go and search out what Noyaft is doing. And if you're in the industry or you want to be in the industry and you want to learn and connect and network Italian-American style, this is a great place to do it. So continued wishes for happy, happy Italian-American Heritage Month, everybody. And thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. And your life will be great. See that you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano.